0: Welcome back to the Word of Life AG podcast. We are in week two of a new series called Selfless. This week's message is entitled Faithful in Service. We'd like to invite you to check out our 21 days of prayer happening here at Word of Life. Each weekday, the sanctuary will be open from 6 a.m. till 10 a.m., and we will have a special one hour of prayer on Wednesday nights. Let's head on into our message recorded live on January 13th, 2019.
1: Good morning, church.
0: Good to see you all
1: today. I am thrilled that you're here with us this morning. We are uh, in a series here. We're at week two of a series and getting into that before I get into the service. I I just want to stop for a minute um, before I go another step further because I just feel like the Lord was whispering to me some things while we were worshiping. And it's this, I feel that there may be some among us today who, who feel that the only place you can really connect with God is in this place here, is in this room. And it's not true. Jesus says, he says something like this. He says, if, if you want to get close to God, you don't, you don't stand in front of everybody and pray in front of everybody like you're something really special. He says, you go into a closet and you shut the door and it's you and your father. And I want to let you know, we love getting together as a church family. We love celebrating together. We love worshiping together. We love giving together. We love coming together. But this is not the only place you meet with God. It's 24-7. Every day of your life, you can be at him. Just mention his name, and he's there with you. Call on him, and he's there with you. And I just wanted to settle that score with whoever you are, however many, 10 of us, 50 of us, or 100 of us would think something like that. It's exactly what the enemy would want you to believe, that you can't just call on God anywhere. You've got to come to church first. And it's not true. It just isn't true. So, I hope that that's gonna help somebody. I hope it's gonna help us. I know I need a little bit of help every now and then, and uh, let's get going here. Let me get rid of all my keys and my telephones and everything else, and let's get into the Word of God today. I'm really excited about today's message. I'm really anticipating that God's gonna do something really good for many of us here today. This is week two of a three-week, uh, four-week series entitled "Selfless, Selfless." And uh, today's message is "Faithful in Service." Faithful in Service. Last week the message was "Bold in Witness," and today the subject I want to talk about I think is perhaps, perhaps the the most uh, the most powerful, the most transformational, the most inspirational, Jesus follower principle. Let me say that again, Jesus follower principle on the planet. I really do believe that. I really do believe that. In fact, every single leader that you know that you have respect for actually practices the principle that we're talking about today. And every leader that you don't respect doesn't. And that's why you don't respect that individual. Jesus came into this world to introduce us to something that would be brand new. Brand new to this world and brand new for our world. For the world with what we need to have here. And it may be even for some of you today, this may be brand new to you for the very first time you're hearing something like this. And so it may be for you and I. So should you be a guest here today? we really are glad that you're with us. We're really honored that you would come here. There's a lot of great churches in central New York. This isn't the only great one. And so for you to visit Word of Life, be with us today, it means a lot to us. And maybe there are some of you who have really never been to church or are irreligious and you don't even know, and you're just coming to check it out. We're so honored that you would be here to check it out. We would love for you to do that. So please know that we welcome you. Please know that we're we're glad that you're here with us. And I also want to let you know, even if you've only been here a few months, I want to let you know that there's some really amazing things happening in and through word of life. God is doing some really cool things among us. I mean, it's there's, there. Are some things that are happening uh, on a personal level with some people? There are some things that are happening within life groups that we have here at Word of Life. There's things happening in hospitals, in schools, uh, at work, wherever they may be. There is so much kingdom life that just seems to be impacting the moment right now, and it's just so good. And you need to be a part of that. So I hope, should you be a guest, that so you're going to come back. I hope you're going to come back because I promise you this much, God will never disappoint you. God will never disappoint you, and I encourage you to come on back. The second greatest decision of my life, the second greatest decision of my life, um, let me go to the first Greatest decision of my life, because you probably are wondering, okay, you're giving us number two, but why don't you give us number one? All right, I will. The number one decision of my life, the best decision of my life happened on July 5th, 1971, south side of Philadelphia in a small Roman Catholic church. I gave my life to Jesus, and he forever changed my life. But the second greatest decision of my life, the second best thing I ever did was to marry my high school sweetheart, Mary 45 years ago. Thank you. 45 years ago. And one of the most incredible things about this woman, about Marianne, what she has always done, what she has always done from day one, was to put her family ahead of herself. Especially me. I'm a spoiled brat. The, re- the reality is I'm a spoiled brat and it's all my wife's fault. Because she has spoiled me. Just kidding there a little bit, but she's not only met my every need for these last 45 years of our time together, our marriage together, but she serves, she gives, and she sacrifices her own personal desires to make sure that her husband, that her husband uh, has every dream and every desire that he would have to be met in his life first. I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible what she does, uh, what she has done. For example... Of course, you know, a a few Corvettes that I've owned, a a, a few motorcycles that I've owned, a few Chevy trucks that I've owned, and uh, some other things. But one of the things that I love about my wife is how she takes care of me and how she meets my need, even with our meals. Now, I'm on day seven or eight, I don't know what day I'm on right now, of a 21 day of prayer and fasting. And I'm pretty hungry right now. I'm ready to eat. So I'm going to talk about food just a little bit. And I may run out and get a bite to eat and come back and finish the message. I don't know. But when it comes to our meals, it was every meal, 40, 45 years, almost every meal was about me. Almost every meal was for me. Almost every meal, whatever she made, if she made something I didn't like and I had the guts to tell her I didn't like it, she would end up changing it. For me. She she did that for me. Everything was for me. She knew what I liked. It was for me. I know. I know. It's amazing. It's incredible. So, the same uh, happened with our four kids as well. So, on Thursday, I walked into the other room where she was reading the Bible, and I just said to her, I said, honey, I'm going to ask you some questions, and I don't want you to ask me any questions. So, I just simply asked her some questions like this. What were our kids' favorite meals? And I'm telling you, she did this all the time for them. She would always meet their need above and beyond anything that she would ever want. So I said to her, I said, what was Jeremy's greatest need? Jeremy's our oldest son. He died 28 months ago of a massive heart attack at 40 years old. And I said to her, I said, "Uh, what was Jeremy's favorite meal? I don't know what their meals are. She does. (laughs) What's Jeremy's favorite meal? And she would say, sauce and balls. That's what we call it. Sauce and balls. And chocolate cake with chocolate frosting was his favorite dessert. I said, well, what about Jacob? What's Jacob's favorite meal? She goes, chicken pot pie, chicken pot pie, and cream pie for dessert. I said, Thomas, what's his? She goes, lasagna with blueberry pie. He loves blueberry pie. And I said, what about our daughter Michelle? What's her favorite meal? And she said, stuffed shells and banana cream pie. And I said, what about me? And of course, you know, I mean this. I'm not just playing around, I'm serious. She's an amazing cook. Not only is she an amazing cook, she's an amazing baker. She can bake anything. And a lot of you have per- ate, ate uh, some of the stuff that she has made. I won't go through the list of those things. But for me, for me, it's, it's chicken and mashed potatoes and gravy and great-grandma's homemade biscuits along with apple crisp that's warm and loaded down with whipped cream afterwards. I'll see you. I got to go get something to eat, right? <laughs> <laughs> So for these last 45 years of our married life, Marianne has always, she has always put her family above herself. And I can't even begin to tell you how much I appreciate that. Go with me to to Proverbs chapter 31, beginning at verse 10. It says this, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good and not harm all the days of her life. Jump down toward to verse uh, 27 of that same chapter. And it says these words. It says, she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you, Marianne, you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done. And let her works bring her praise to the city gate. My wife, Marianne, she is has been an amazing wife, a great mother, an amazing grandmother. And I'm absolutely crazy about her. And it was the second best decision I ever made in my life. She has always put us ahead of herself. So the question I have for you now, you know that was a setup for a question for you. The question I have for you right now is, if someone were to describe you, if someone was to talk about you with the word always in it, the word always in that that, uh, time of talking about you, what would they say? What would they say that you always do? Well, maybe there are some that would say, you are always encouraging others. Maybe they would say, you're always just so giving. Or they may say, you're always, you're always going above and beyond the call of duty. Or they would say, you're, you're always sharing your, sharing your faith and you're sharing it boldly. Especially after last week's message, you're sharing it boldly. I thought that was funny. Anyhow, or, or some may say, I don't know who, and I don't know if this is you or not. But some may say, you know what, you're, You're always negative. Or they may say, you're always finding fault. Or you're always gossiping. Or you're always always incredibly selfish and self-centered. My question is, what would people say about you that you're always doing? You're always always doing. I think that most of us would agree that we live in a very selfish, self-centered, self-gratifying, self-promoting kind of culture. And if I were to ask you, today do you know do you know what the most common career a teenager has in their mind what they want to have happen in their life do you do you know what the most common career a teenager wants for their life well what 54% of teenagers want for a career they want to be a celebrity, a celebrity they want to be a celebrity in fact a youtube Celebrity is what they're looking to be and what they're looking to do. You see, not just any old celebrity, celebrity, but many of them would say, really, what they want is they want to be a goat. They want to be a goat. How many know what a goat is? And I'm not talking about the one that goes ba, ba, ba. How many know what a goat is? Let me tell you what a goat is. What, what does goat, G O A T, what does goat stand for? Greatest of all time. Greatest of all time. So 54% of teenagers want to be a goat. They want to be the greatest of all time. 54%! The greatest of all time. Just so you know, this message today is not just for teenagers. This message today is for every single one of us, young and old alike, who are in this room. Our self-promoting, self-centered, self-oriented culture has a real issue, especially, especially if you're a Christ follower today, or you're considering to maybe someday give your life over to Jesus. I I wanna let you know that our culture, the culture of our world in the United States of America and around the world are diametrically opposed to the teachings of Jesus. This is what Jesus says. You can follow along with me on your smart devices. If you have them, you can watch the projection behind me or pick up a Bible and begin to read it that way. But I'm going to be going through a lot of scriptures and we're going to be presenting these things to you. And it says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So Jesus says, Jesus says, as far as what the Culture, our culture, the culture of our world, resist and go completely in the opposite direction. What Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself and then you must pick up your cross. In other words, you are to pick up your cross and die to your own self ways, whatever that may be within your life, whatever your selfish nature may be. And then, and then, Jesus says, you are to follow me. So listen, listen. Again, this isn't for teenagers. This isn't just for teenagers. This is for every one of us in this room of all ages, young and old alike, male or female. It is an all-skate event. It is for all flesh and blood. We all are to do this. Jesus said, if you want to be great... If you want to be great, you do not self-promote, and that's not even close what God would want us to do. According to Matthew 23, 11, Jesus says, the greatest among you will be your Servant, I say it again and give me a better answer. He says, the greatest among you will be your servant is what he says. So he says, the greatest among you will be your servant. And as I said in the beginning, to me, this is the most powerful, the most transformational, the most inspirational Jesus follower principle that you would find anywhere in the word of God. As far as Randy Chiz is concerned, as far as I'm concerned, that this is what God has for each and every one of us. So if you are a Christ follower today, we are not called to self-promote or to live life selfishly, be self-centered in our living. But instead, instead of that selfish way that the world goes, Jesus calls us, he invites us to be selfless. He calls us to be selfless. In other words, deny yourself and then virtually, virtually take on the very nature of, of a servant. That's his call for every one of us, every one of you, every one of us who are followers of Jesus. This is who we're to be. This is where we're to go. For the Christ followers, serving isn't just something that we do. It's an action that reflects who we are. uh, Self-serving isn't just what we do. A servant at the core is who we are called to be. We are called to be this. I like to say it this way. I am a servant of the Most High God. When I serve others, I am serving Christ. Put that projection up there and say that with me. I am a servant. When I serve others... I am serving Christ. All right, repeat it after me now. I am a servant. No, 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 stop. Wait. Repeat after me. Repeat after me. I want you to take each point home with you. Say this I am a servant servant. of the Most High God. God. When I serve others, I am am serving Christ. Christ. One last time I I am a servant of the Most High God. When I serve others, I am serving Christ. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause. Come on. (laughs) Serving, serving isn't just what we do. Serving is who we are. So let me ask you again. So what would people say you're always doing? What are you always doing? What would they say to you? Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 has a, a very uh, powerful verse in the midst of this. Just one verse, one verse in that chapter uh, that, that, uh, that shows of a woman who was always doing what she was always doing. Go with me to Acts chapter 9, verse 36, and it says these words. It says, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. We're chuckling a little bit because of last Sunday. Last Sunday, we met a guy who was the high priest, and his name was Anus. Today, we're meeting a young lady whose name is Dorcas. And the question that I have my question is could Anus' mother? or father somehow or another be related to Dorcas, mother and father, just simply by the fact of what they call their children's, what their names are of their kids? Could it be? I'm I'm gonna move on because I could spend a lot of time on this one as well as I did last weekend, so I'm gonna move on because we got a lot to cover today. Some cool stuff about Tabitha. Let's talk about Tabitha. She is the first Greek female mentioned in in, in the New Testament. Her name means uh, uh, um, gazelle, and the reason why they would give a name early on is because there's something that would seem to be about that person. So maybe as a baby, she was a beautiful little baby, and as a result of being a beautiful little baby, uh, she grew up and she ended up being a beautiful woman. Maybe, maybe that's why they called her uh, Tabitha and or Dorcas. Uh, the text says that she was always doing good and always helping the poor, always. She was always doing that. And her specialty was was to be making clothes and giving it to those who were struggling. Her ministry was so important that when, when she died, when Tabitha died, when she died, God used Peter. He would use Peter to raise her from the dead. She came back to life. And then when all of that happened, a revival broke out in her community. A lot of people ended up coming to know Christ as Savior from this amazing miracle that God had done. She was always, always she was doing good, is what the Scripture says. She was always doing good. So with this much we know, this much we know, she was was always selfless, using what she had to make a difference in other people's lives by serving. Let me stop there just for a moment. Because I just said a trigger word about some of our life path language that we use nowadays. It, it was the idea that that uh, making a difference, making a difference. Uh, we we find here. Um, I just lost my page. <clears throat> It was that trigger for me. Today at 3 o'clock, I know that James already announced this, uh, this decision, but I want you to hear it again, this, this appointment that we have today. Today at 3 o'clock in our lobby, uh, we're going to do step number two of our life path that's going to be taking place this afternoon, life path for us here at Word of Life that is available to you, to any of you, whether it's your first Sunday here or you've been coming for five years, whatever it may be. This is an opportunity for you if you would desire to become a member at Word of Life. What does that look like? What what happens if we become a member at Word of Life? And so we have three steps on our life path. Those three steps happen every single month, except for the month of December. But we get together every single month. Uh, step number one, the first Sunday of the month is about membership, which is what we did last Sunday. I led that particular class uh, step number two we do this every month step number two is the the uh, our second Sunday of the month is discover your design which is today's teaching and what we're going to do and number 3 is step number 3 on the third Sunday of the month is to make a difference is to make a difference so today is discover your design discover your design would simply mean something like this we're going to dive into the details of your life we're going to help you through with a personality profile and a spiritual gifting profile and we're going to help you to be able to identify to be able to identify it's going to reveal your purpose in life your purpose, why you're here, why God has placed you here, and how you're gonna fit best here at Word of Life with your ministry. We want you to be able to become a member, and we don't want you to just be on a roster. We don't want you to just be a member in word only. We want you to be a member in deed. We want you to begin to to do some things. So we're gonna help you to find where you would be able to really do well and serve here at Word of Life. So we encourage you to be a part of all of that, okay? Everybody give me an okay. All right, let's be moving on. Life path. So let me go back and say it one more time. When it comes to Tabitha, she was always, always selfless, using what she had to make a difference in other people's lives by serving them. And that's because this woman knew. She knew that she was a servant of the Most High God. She knew that. And because she knew that and did what she had, some of you some of you may be having an argument within your mind, wanting to talk with me a little bit about this. And some of us would say, listen, man, I can't sew. I can't sew, uh, and, and I, I don't have a whole lot of extra money that I can just give money to the poor to help them out. Or I can't sing a tune you would never want to hear me sing. So how do we make sense of this? Well, FYI, I want to let you know that I'm looking to keep this message today to be a very simple message and easy to to take away today. I got some thoughts coming from Highlands. I got some thoughts coming out of Life Church and with Gateway Church as well. They're helping me out with this message. But uh, I want to give you three messages, three messages that are from Scripture, and I want to tie them in with three simple stories that I think will help you to understand how it is that you can be more involved, how it, how it is you can easily serve the God of heaven because every one of us, every one of us have been called to be the servants of the Most High God. That's where we all stand. So let's get right into this morning's message as we dig into these three points. How do we become a servant of the Most High God? Point number one, number one, bring a lunch. Point number one, bring a lunch. If you want to have an impact, if you want to serve your God, the Most High God, then bring a lunch. Now, I want to show you a story from the Old Testament, and it's about David. David, King David, is my very favorite. He's the, my favorite Old Testament character. I love this guy. He was a warrior, he was a musician, he was fully devoted to God, he was my hero. And honestly, I mean this. When I get to heaven, he's going to be one of the first people that I'm going to go look up. I mean, I've got a bunch of others I'm going to be looking for too, but David is one of my very first because he just means everything to me. There are so many things that he had done that I just respect and love. He did a lot of bad things, but he did so many good things as well. So, David certainly was a hero. He defeated Goliath, and a lot of us know that. He defeated Goliath with a slingshot and one smooth uh, uh, stone to the head. He defeated that, that giant. And from that day on, David was loved and he was highly favored. And the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. I love that about David. That's what I want. I want God to say that about Randy Chiz. He was a man after God's heart. I want that in my life. So David is one of those guys who's my inspiration. And when David would return from battle cool thing that would happen is all the women, all the women, he's a single guy at this time, he's a young guy, but uh, all the women would begin to sing songs to David about the mighty battles that he has won and how valiant of a warrior he is. So with that little bit of context about David, it may, again, raise a question within your mind. So why was this guy, why was he so loved and so great? Well, many would say it was because he was a great warrior. He won many battles. That that may be something that somebody would say. But I think, I think before the first battle that he fought with Goliath, I believe that David was great because he brought a lunch. It was that simple. He brought a lunch. David simply brought a lunch. If you took a deeper look into the life of David, you would see throughout his life, whether it was being a shepherd and him tending to his sheep, protecting his sheep. He fought off a bear and he fought off a lion to protect his sheep. Whether it was being a shepherd or playing the harp before King Saul or connecting with his best friend, his best friend on earth, Jonathan, who was the king, King Saul's son. David was always doing the right thing behind the scenes. Did you hear me? David was always doing the right thing behind the scenes, behind the scenes. This, This man was promoted in the kingdom of God because he had a servant's heart. He had a servant's heart. He was a great warrior. He had all of those things that we've talked about already, but he had a servant's heart, and therefore he was promoted into the kingdom of God. So PR, so what do, we, what do you mean by him bringing a bag lunch, him bringing a, a lunch? <coughs> Let me tell you the story real quick. David is the youngest of his father. Uh, His father, Jesse, he's the youngest of his uh, sons. He has eight brothers. The older brothers are out preparing for war against the Philistines, the Philistines. In fact, Goliath is the one who's causing all the the mayhem that's going on right now. And Jesse says to David, he says to his son, now mind you, David, we think, is somewhere between 14 and 17 years old. So maybe he's 15, maybe he's 16. He's a teenager, he's a young guy. And uh, his father says to him, son, I need you to do something. And it may not be, and may not feel very glamorous, and it may not seem very important, but son, this is important to God. It's important to him. David, I want you to take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly. Take them quickly to your brothers who are in the battlefield. And David, I want you to see how your brothers are doing. And I want you to bring the report back to me how your brothers are getting along. And David says, Yes, sir. He says, I will do that because David was a man with a humble heart and he would do exactly what he would be told by his father, his mother, and those who are of authority within his life. It would be at that command of his father. His father says, I want you to go quickly to your brothers. I want you to go there. David would end up defeating Goliath and it all happened because David brought a bag lunch. It all happened because all he did was, all he did was bring a bag lunch. That's all he had to do to have the impact that this man is now going to be having. He brought a bag lunch. And that would ultimately lead David to becoming a mighty warrior and, in my opinion, the greatest, the greatest king of Israel ever. He was the greatest. He was the greatest. But first, but first, you need to be willing before you become the greatest of anything Before you get promoted in the kingdom of God, you need to realize, first, you need to be willing to do what may seem to be insignificant and often not so visible to very many people. You need to be willing to do that. You need to be that kind of a person because it's always by serving. It's always by serving that you and I are promoted in the kingdom of God. It's not by self-promotion. It's not by Randy Chis standing up here saying, look at me, look at me, I'm preaching to you people today. Big deal. We can get anybody a lot more better than you, too. Well, at least you didn't say amen. (laughs) It's always by serving. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, what you do is you serve. You serve. Everywhere you find yourself. You could be the the wife of this man right here, and what she did continuously was serve. She served me. She served her kids. She serves her church. On and on and on, her list goes. In Matthew twenty three eleven, Jesus says the greatest among you is always is always is always a servant. So one of the ways that you can do this is that you can be obedient and bring up lunch. Number two, point number two, you can offer a ride. That's right, you can offer a ride. I have said often in my years at this pulpit, I have said for many years how uh, incredible it is to me when a prophecy is fulfilled. I just love that. When you look into the scriptures and you see that this prophecy happened and Jesus did that years, hundreds and hundreds of years later, to me, it's just mind-boggling. The story that I'm going to talk to you about real quick is this story out of the Old Testament. It's about a prophecy a prophecy is something that will happen in the future as you probably do know but 553 years 553 years before this event took place Zechariah the prophet prophesies And he says these words You can find it in Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 And he says this Rejoice O people of Zion Shout in triumph O people of Jerusalem Look your king is coming to you He is righteous and victorious Yet he is humble riding on a donkey Riding on a donkey's colt Is what the prophecy is now, talking about culture a little bit here, you know, in that culture, what, when this prophecy came out 553 years before it actually came to pass, th- th- that culture was rather upset with this, this particular prophecy, this thing that this prophet would say. You see, to them, the world then, they would say something like this, the Messiah who is, who is the king who is coming will never come riding in on a donkey, never. No, they would say that he will come riding in on a white horse and he's going to have flowing robes and he's going to have a crown on his head and all the people will be celebrating. All the people will be going crazy because the king has come. The Messiah has come. So that sounds an awful lot like our world right now. You know, our world would never allow there to be just something as simple as a donkey. They would want it to be a little bit deeper than that. So their culture says, and our culture would say today, the king is coming in a stretch limo. And there's going to be paparazzi everywhere. There will be lights, there will be camera, there will be action for sure, but not a donkey, they would tell us today, as they told them back then. Not a donkey and a cult, 553 years after Zechariah prophesied this prophecy, Jesus told his disciples. He says, I'm going to need you to secure for me a donkey. I need a donkey, the Lord needs one. And we find here in Matthew 21, verses one through three, Jesus saying this. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives and Jesus sent two of them on ahead. And going, uh, going into the village over there, he said, as soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks you, what are you doing? Just say to them, the Lord needs them. The Lord needs them and he will immediately, he will immediately let you take them. So Jesus says to the guys, he says, I need you to secure me a, a donkey, and if anyone asks you who wants it, just tell them the Lord needs it, and he's going to let you do that. So how can you be faithful? How can you be a faithful servant to God? What, what can you do? Well, you could simply offer somebody a ride. That's all you need to do is offer somebody a ride, and God could use that to help you to become that great servant that God wants each and every one of us to be, because <clears throat> um, That's exactly what this businessman did. This guy here, this man that we're talking about in the New Testament. What what I love about this story is about this guy is that we don't know this guy. We we don't know this guy's name. We don't know what this guy does for a living. We don't know if this guy owned one donkey, five donkeys, a hundred donkeys. We don't know. We don't know what this guy has and who he really is, but this much we can assume for sure that he's a businessman. And he's a businessman because to have the luxury of having a donkey was was pretty expensive and, uh, and only someone like that could afford a donkey. This guy simply said, after he was requested, this guy simply said, the two guys that Jesus sent off to, to get a donkey, they, he just said, yes, you can have what I have. I'll offer it to you for a ride. You can use it for a ride. By the way, It doesn't seem to me as he's offering this donkey and it's cold to be able to go off. I don't see in the Bible where there's some uh, long stack of paperwork that needs to be filled out before he takes the donkey. I don't see a single dotted line where you need to sign exactly when you're returning the donkey. And I also don't see or hear of a credit card that's needed for the $150 deposit to take the donkey away. (laughs) But what I do see... And what I do know what this what this gentleman says he simply says if the lord has need of it then I'm willing to offer what I have because I'm a servant of the most high god So how can you make a difference as a servant You can bring a bag lunch You can offer a ride and number 3 you can carry a towel You can carry a towel To me, this is the most powerful, the most powerful illustration and picture of what true servanthood really is ever. This is so powerful. For me, this is so powerful. This is so incredible. The setting is at the Passover. They're just before the Passover. And it's Thursday night, 10, 11, 12, 13 hours from now. Jesus is gonna be hanging on the cross and he's going to lay his head down and die. This is a, there is a secret meeting that's taking place in the upper room and Jesus is in that upper room and he's, dis, he's seated with his disciples and Jesus knows all of what's about to happen. He knows that he's about ready to lay down his life for the sins of the world of every generation. You talk about something happening at the last moments of your life. <clears throat> In other words, what Jesus is facing right now, Jesus knows that the reason why he set aside his deity as God and would become a man and live among us. I said this a little bit last week. He came and lived among us. He would live a sinless life and was here for this moment. The reason why this is taking place was for this particular moment that we're in right now in the scriptures. And now Jesus is going to pay the ultimate price, the price for all of our sin, not for his sin, Jesus never committed a single sin. He's now ready to pay the ultimate price for our sin. And in this particular moment in Jesus' life, in this moment right here we're talking about right now, this is some of the highest anxiety moments that Jesus would deal with while he's here on earth. The Bible says at some moment here that he would sweat drops of blood. The anxiety is so high within him with what it is that he was doing for us and doing the will of God. And then this argument breaks out in the middle of all of this. This argument takes place. Do you know who was, what the arguing was about? It was happening with their disciples, and the disciples wanted to know, Jesus, who's the goat? In the middle of all of this taking place, in the middle of what Jesus is going through, the stress and the struggle of it all, All of a sudden, the disciples, a lot like me, and probably a lot like you, can somehow or another, (coughs) instead of listening to what God may be saying, instead of what may be really taking place, it's so easy for us to get off track and think about ourselves. So Jesus, who's the goat? Who's the greatest of all time? That's the argument that these guys are dealing with just hours, just moments before Jesus is going to go to a cross. Jesus, we know, we know you're the Messiah. We know that you're the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We know that, Jesus, we know that. And we're asking you, Jesus, would you be willing, would you be willing before you return to the kingdom, would you just be willing to tell us who's the goat? Who's the goat? Jesus, who's the greatest among us that will sit on your right side or your left side of, of your throne? Jesus, who's the goat? Jesus is sitting at the table. And he knows that he did not come to be served, but come to serve others. And at that same table, Jesus is looking around at these guys. And what he sees is nothing but proud hearts and dirty, smelly feet. And what does Jesus do? The scriptures tell us that Jesus would take off the outer clothing. And when he would take off the outer clothing, he would then take a towel and wrap it around his his waist. And then the Son of God would pour some water into a basin. And the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, Jesus began to wash His disciples' feet. If you would have been there, if you would have seen Jesus put on that towel and bend down, kneel down before his disciples and start washing their feet, this would be the most scandalous act of selfless service that you would ever see in your life. This is beyond my comprehension and I'm assuming beyond your comprehension as well. And at that moment when Jesus does that and he starts washing to their feet, all of a sudden the disciples say, no, no, Jesus, you can't do this. No, you can't can't wash my feet. Peter said, you can't wash my feet. He said it very directly. You can't wash my feet. And listen to what Jesus says to Peter. He says in John chapter 13, verse 8, he says to Peter, he says, no, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered and said, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Yes, I will wash your feet because that's why I came here. This is what I have come to do. I have come to wash your feet. Now the whole reason behind washing feet, in case you're wondering just really quick, is because they would walk around in sandals and there was a lot of dirty roads and when you would go to somebody's house or to a special event, there would always be a servant there or a slave and they would get down on their knees and they would reach down and they would wash with soap and water. They would wash the feet of the guests that were there so that they wouldn't be offensive and they wouldn't be offended as a result of that. And that's what our Redeemer did. That's what our Savior did. That's what Jesus did on that particular day. I said this in the beginning. This is the most powerful illustration and picture of true servanthood ever. I say it again. This is the most powerful illustration and picture of true servanthood ever. Ever. Jesus is looking at nothing but proud hearts and dirty feet. And Jesus wraps a towel around his waist he starts washing the feet of those self-centered, self-promoting disciples. I'm going to assume that there are some of us who really don't know who Jesus is. So as I close off my message today, I want to tell you really who Jesus is. In fact, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Because I want you to hear these words. I don't want you to be distracted. Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the bread of life. He is the prince of peace. Jesus is the living water. He is the great high priest. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus, he is the living vine, the king of glory. He is the chosen one. Jesus is the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. He is the alpha and the omega. Jesus is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. Jesus, he is our redeemer. Jesus is our righteousness, our sanctification, our rock, our Lord. He is the great I am. And Jesus knelt down, took the towel, and would wash his disciples' feet. All within a few hours of him going to the cross. Why would he do that? Because Jesus knew that the greatest among you is never a self-promoter, is never a selfish, me-first kind of individual. What I want, what I have to say, what I want to do. Jesus made it clear. It's always about being a servant. It's always about being a servant. Some would wonder, how do you make sense of this? It's rather mind-boggling as I listen to this. How do you make sense of this? In Matthew 20, 28... Jesus says, just as the Son of Man did not come to, ser- to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for others. That's what we do. Selflessly, selflessly, we do that. Closing scripture. It's a long one. Because there's going to be an event that's going to take place. And Jesus talks about it in these verses Matthew 25, beginning in verse 31 when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered together before him, and he will separate one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from his goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. The king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was, a, I was in prison and you came to me. The righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty or give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, As surely as I say to you, in as much you did it unto the least of these, of them, Jesus said you did that to me I could see right through what you were doing it wasn't for self-promotion it wasn't to get your name in the lights it's because you want to be a servant just as your savior is Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and you in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly I say to you, Listen to me. Listen to me, everybody. This is about us. This is about us as followers of Jesus. Inasmuch as you did not do it to the least of these and the least of those, you didn't do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment but the righteous into eternal life. We are called by God to make a difference in the lives of others. How do you become great in God's kingdom? you become great by being less about yourself and more about Jesus. That will in turn cause you to be more about them out there in your home, and outside of your home, in your church, and outside of your church. You become great by being less about you, and more about him. Being a servant isn't just something we do, a servant is who we are. It's our essence, it's our core. And one day, one day, one day, we're gonna be with him. We're gonna be with the Lord. And he has something that he wants to say to you and I. I know I might be a couple minutes late, Luke, but I wanna conclude with this. This is so important to me, and this is so personal. This is personal to me. One day we're going to see him. I don't know if it's gonna be like this when we do this or not, but this is Randy's story. There may be a waiting room in heaven for all of us when we get there. I don't know, I don't know. But there may be a waiting room, and all of a sudden, Randy chairs, Randy chairs. You can meet Jesus now. Come on in. <laughs> Probably not going to be like that. <laughs> so I make my way out of that room and I come around the corner. There he is. There's Jesus. In all of his glory and all of his beauty and all of his splendor. And I want to run to him. I, want, I just want to run to Jesus. I want to grab a hold of him and hold him. Tell him how much I love him. And as I take steps toward him, he's taking steps towards me. And he's smiling as he's walking my way. And as he's making my way, I I just want to, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for all you've done. And Jesus would stop me and say, wait a minute. No, 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 wait, wait a minute. Right now, this is not about you. Right now, this is about me. This this is my my gig. This is what I'm doing. I'm the one who wants to talk. In fact, I've wanted to talk to you for a long time now. There's so much that I've wanted to say. But I'll say this much, Randy. You did it. You did it. I'm so very proud of you. You did what I've asked you to do, Randy Chiz. And I'm going to sit back and say to the Lord, wait a minute, wait a minute. The only reason why I did it is because you gave me the strength. There's nothing good about me. I didn't do it. And you're going to stop me again, Randy. Randy. Shut up. Listen to me just a moment. And he's going to say, I'm the one who gave you. I'm the one over the years of your life, I gave you July 5th, 1971. <laughs> it's outside of Philadelphia. I gave you a great wife. Four great kids now with four great families. I gave you a great church. I gave you those awesome, handsome looks that you have. Thank you for supporting me in that one point. And you did what I asked you to do. And Jesus will say to me, well done. Well done, my faithful and good servant. And then Jesus says, I've got something for you. And I said, I would say, no, you can't. And what Jesus has for every one of us is a crown. There's something he's going to give every one of us for what we've done for him being a servant of the Most High God. What happens to me will happen to you. And you still have an opportunity to make your dash count, whether you know it or not. And you can begin to have greater influence in the lives of other people, because my friend, there's more to this life than just this life. Stand with me to your feet. Stand with me to your feet. If we could have our intercessors come on down. We're gonna close off the service with one last worship song. I want you to worship God with all of your heart as we leave out of here. And I want you to make a promise to God. I don't know if I'm gonna be good at it or not, God, but I wanna be a servant of the Most High God I want to do what you've called me to be, to do, and to be what you've called me to be. I want you to leave out of here to prefer others to go out the door before you. Eventually, you're all going to have to get out the door, but prefer someone else ahead of you. I mean, starting today, why don't you begin to be the servant that God wants you to be? I believe the song that we're going to sing is going to help us to do that. Should you be dealing with an issue or a problem or a fear, you don't have to tell us any details, but these people are ready to pray for you for whatever need you have. God is answering prayers at Word of Life. You don't want to miss this moment. Please don't leave until we're done with the worship song. Please go ahead, my
0: brother. Thanks for tuning in to The Message this week. Hey, if you haven't checked out our new membership process called Life Path, it's never too late to jump in. You can jump in on any of the classes which are offered the first, second, and third Sundays of every month. Want to hear more? Come on out to one of our services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m.